0: How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holtzman.
1: Welcome to this episode of the 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holtzman. And in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about the concept of technical debt. And uh, just for the audience here, it's just a lot more than just technical debt. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The, reaching, the far-reaching effects of this are becoming more and more pronounced as we move into the digital era, of course, that most organizations are in. And uh, moving into the information age uh, as we see it, this concept of the debt that is there in most organizations and technology uh, is becoming more of a burden and also a constraint, a restraint, if you want to use that term, on actual the agility of the business, not just the technology. Now, this phrase has a lot of different names that are mostly associated with technology. So, for example, you may hear the phrase design debt or debt or code debt or debt or code refactoring. Lots of fancy little names in here. These are just a few of the names uh, that people use to describe. What we would suggest are using a nice term shortcuts that are taken for various reasons by technologists. A lot of times you hear, well, these are forced on the technologist by the business, I'm not here to debate who is pushing this particular thing, Uh, you know, whether it's business personnel or technologists or budgets, but basically the objective is to get the solution out the door and we'll worry about things later. And uh, back in the good old days, (laughs) one of my colleagues said, the objective is something like this. You start writing the computer code and we'll figure out what the user has in mind later. Let's just get something out there. Uh, we'll figure out what's going on. The term is also used to justify many different challenges that the business and technology people face, and what is it has resulted in is essentially pushing the can down the road. Nothing is going to go away. Nothing is going to go away, and it's just like if you charge something on your credit card, uh, it's not going to go away It may, if you go bankrupt, think about that for a moment, but it's not going to go away. And every time you leave a balance on your credit card, that interest rate mounts up. It's compound. That's why it's called compound interest. Well, it's that same concept that we're talking about here. But also, it's not just technology that is being affected. It's business strategy. And, of course, the new phrase that's out there, as business agility is being affected, it's a constraint, a restraint on the business that's there. All facets of the business, the business itself, the associated technologists, solution developers, as well as the human resources within and outside the enterprise, are all affected by this. And we're going to explore this phase, this phrase itself, and what the underlying meaning is. Well beyond taking shortcuts and writing and implementing software and computer applications. It's really about business agility that is being restrained by this technical debt that's there. One of the issues is that this concept is much less visible than financial debt, for example. And therefore, it's easier to ignore, at least for some period of time. Now, a little bit of retrospective on this topic um, i don 't know exactly what my age is of my audience that 's here um, so i 'm um, a individual that has many years of experience. Let me leave it at that and some of you may have remembered or read about or experienced the year two thousand computer. People called it crisis, and some people called it uh, uh you know fake news, if I can use a contemporary phrase in year two thousand. But basically, there was a problem in year 2000. And it was the way computer and software and hardware represented dates, hence the term Y2K. And of course, the K means 1,000, so year 2000. So it was the way the computer systems and hardware represented the dates that was a problem. And in the late 90s, there were some logical reasons why some of these things occurred. The cost of processing, the cost of storage, was significantly higher than it is today. And so people were looking at optimizing storage and speed of calculations. And instead of storing, which sounds so simple today... A four-digit year, like 2019 or 2020 or 2018 or 2000, they just stored the two last digits. So instead of storing 1995, computer programmers, technologists stored 95. Didn't seem like a big deal, but you can think about this for just a moment when we hit the year 2000. So many of the computer systems stored only the last two digits and you couldn't really tell in which sensory certain dates fell. So for example, you have a credit card and your credit card company sends you a credit card and it says the expiration date is 2003 and you're sitting there with this credit card in 1999. And you stick the credit card, you slide the credit card through the credit card machine. Just think about this for just a moment. And the computer behind the credit card machine says, okay, let me see if this card is valid. It only has the two digits. It's now 1998. It doesn't matter what year it is. 1998, 1997, 1999. And it says, I see not 2003 as the expiration date of my credit card, but zero three and zero three is less than 95. And it says, well, I'm gonna reject the card because it's expired. Doesn't that sound silly? Question mark rhetorical question. Well, of course, but the computer doesn't have any quote artificial intelligence. It's a programming device that understands zeros and ones. So this was the root of the problem. I'm just giving you one example. Uh, you know, that's there. And this is something that occurred, you know, in the 2000 century range that was there. And many more systems at that particular time had that because the legacy prior to 2000, the applications that were out there, one of the constraints was cost and time. And therefore we wanted to minimize the storage requirements and the processing that was going on. So let me use the phrase, there was legitimate reasons. But the phrase debt in the year 2000 was really the underlying problem. It had to be repaired. It had to be repaired. So when it comes to this, we can look at that and say, you know what, this thing has actually been around for a long time, this concept of debt. Now, things got a little crazy in those years. That's because the designers never thought, believe it or not, that these computer systems were going to be in existence for so long. Uh, It was like a surprise. Well, it was actually a credit to the developers at that time that these things have that longevity. But The assumption, and we all know how to spell assume, was that these things were going to go away. They were just going to go away. We didn't have to worry about it. They'd be refreshed, you know, as we move forward. But, of course, that didn't happen. And so what was occurring was there was a bunch of little tricks, not repairs, folks, but tricks that were being done to address this situation that was there. It's not, a comp- it's not a bug. In other words, it's not an error that was there. This was a deliberate choice that people made on how they were going to program things. And again, it comes back to space was at a premium. Coders did everything they could to save a character of space in the memory. There was a logic behind it. And so using two characters versus four characters was a significant situation. However, now here's the however, the oh my gosh, or geez, I wish I would think about it. The problem was zero, two thousand, two thousand. Let's just think about the last two digits, or actually the last digit. And if any of you remember about school and the zero, it's a special number because it's really hard to divide by zero and a lot of calculations. You know, you've got add, subtract, multiply, divide. And when the computer system saw that zero, uh, it went into bluey state was the theory. And, of course, that was happening. So a huge number of date-related calculations would suddenly fail. Now, of course, people recognize that not at December 31st, 1999, but well before that. And some people say, well, there was no crisis. This was all manufactured. Another way to put it is we recognize, the technology community recognized what they did deliberately, not errors or bugs, and now we had to go fix that. Now, the fix seemed to be easy if some practices that sometimes even today aren't followed is there. In other words, the traceability and transparency of the computer code. I'm not going to get into the details of various coding languages, but you had to have the actual initial script, the, the, the language, whether it was COBOL or Fortran or APL or PL1 or whatever the language was, you, you had to have that. You had to have essentially the manuscript and then you could change the manuscript to move forward. And unfortunately a lot of that wasn't able to find, be found. So a few little tricks occurred to add to this concept of technical debt back there. And what they required was recoding. And a lot of organizations says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to not touch that stuff because I don't know what the unintended consequences is because I don't have an architecture. I don't have a a map. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of fake the system out. And without getting, once again, too technical here, a field was added to most programs, not all, I can't give you a hundred percent here at all, that had a four digit date in it. So it's XY X, X, you know, W, X, Y, Z, X, you know, 2000, 2001, not 00 or 01 or 99. And if the actual year was less than 75, then the new field was set to the actual year plus 2000. And there's a logical reason why it was 75 in programs, and I can get into that you know, at a later date. It's a technical issue that was occurring that's there. If it was greater than 75, 1900 was used instead. This was just trickery, computer trickery to get around. The, uh, the actual problem was still there, and by the way, in a lot of cases, it's still there. So when 99 became 00, was added to 2000, it worked, giving 2000 which then could be used in calculations that was there. So all of that mumbo-jumbo that I just went through, suffice it to say, the technical debt wasn't addressed. It was added to because the underlying issue was not actually repaired. It was patched. It was patched. So the underlying technology issue never was repaired. So that was a little retrospective. So some of you are saying, well, that's nice, Sam. That's really nice that you gave me this history. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen. Just one little moment here. Have you heard about the year 2038 possible problem? <laughs> Sam, what are you talking about? That's not on the uh, the fake news media or the CNN or Fox News or my Twitter feed or my Facebook feed or uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't really care. Well, the year 2038 is another significant year. Don't be terrified by this. This is, uh, you know, 20 some years away, to, you know, 19 or 20 years away, but we shouldn't really think about this too far in the future. And it was exposed. If some of you remember, this video it was called a uh, Gangnam Style. It was this Asian gentleman that was doing this dance. And what happened when he was doing this dance is that YouTube, uh, the video was on YouTube, and it crashed YouTube because there was an inherent limit in the YouTube computer system that had never been hit before, and that limit was 2,147,483,647 views is when the computer system broke. And that has to do with an internal set of things that the computers were designed about, around, excuse me. So just like in year 2000, we have this situation coming up as more technical debt that we can anticipate and repair but we're going to have to address it because we still haven't gotten the underlying issues addressed. And this is once again, going to cause business agility to be affected because we're going to have to divert funds to address this. Here we go again. Here we go again. Now underlying this is a phrase called 32 bit. And what that phrase is, is the way that computer systems had traditionally stored things. And it was a sequence that was there, 32 elements, if I can use that phrase. And if you do the mathematical calculations, which didn't seem to be a big problem at the time, you could essentially have that 2 billion number I was talking about and not have a problem until it became a problem. Now the newer systems are at 64-bit. In other words, it stores things in 64 elements, if I can use that phrase, which gives us 18 quintillion amounts of things So if we get a video out there (laughs) that somebody looks at or a group of people look at at 18 quintillion, then we can say, you know what, we're going to have a problem. But until we see that, it's not going to be much of an issue, uh, you know, that's uh, that's there. So this is what we have to recognize, you know, as we uh, move forward. So we're going to get into this in just a little while. We're going to take a short break here and just give you a little bit more perspective from the retrospective on this issue of technical debt. You're listening to Sam Holtzman, this is the 2020s Enterprise, and uh, we're talking about the concept of technical debt. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes.
0: Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work, and this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide Innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit pinnaclebusinessgroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book. Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holtzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to the 2020s Enterprise.
1: Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Sam Holzman. That's me. We're chatting about technical debt and its impact actually on the business, not just on the technology. And in our first segment of the show, we chatted about a retrospective look at these issues that have been around for decades. This is not something new. And these are lingering out there, and there seem to be lingering a little bit more. And now I want to give you just a quick perspective on that same issue that is something that all of us need to address and the reason i say all of us is we have to make sure that we recognize that these issues aren't going to just occur from a technology perspective but once again it will reflect the business agility that we may have and so this is what we have to uh uh, to look at is this concept of business agility because what's going to happen is we're going to be diverting Resources to address these things. So what is this coming year 2038 issue? Well, it has to do because the computer hardware was programmed with a certain type of storage unit called a 32-bit processor. And if you do the mathematics with 32 bits, it allows a little over 2 billion variations. Now, the new computer systems and the new software from Apple and from Microsoft and everybody else is now being developed and designed using 64-bit, which is a massive orders of magnitude increase in the way things are being stored. But the systems out there aren't magically and mystically going to be updated by themselves. Somebody has to take some action, which costs money, which means that we have to divert funds from future activities and future technologies and um, uh, competitive advantage, strategic initiatives to some of these things that are going on. And so the first desktop computers years ago were even less than that. It was 16-bit that was out there which meant that you could only store 66,000 distinct values. Now, those numbers don't seem very large until you start looking at nowadays, if you go on uh, you know, social media, you know, somebody has 3 million followers or 20 million followers. Notice how everything would just blow up all of a sudden. Notice the difference in magnitude that we're talking about. Now, none of this should be an issue for the business. They don't really care. As a matter of fact, they want more and more but we have to recognize that the business is technology and technology is the business. This concept of technology supporting the business is a silly phrase. It's part of the business. And if one side fails, the other side's going to fail and the other side fails, the other side's going to fail. And so we all have to recognize it. I'm not suggesting business people have to understand that the issue is there, but they have to realize both sides of the equation, the business people, and the technology people, there's only one bucket of money and therefore If we want to address these things, we have to think about things a little bit differently and get away from this concept of technical debt, which I rather like to use the phrase a technical burden that is added to the enterprise, to the business, both on the technical side and on the business side that's, you know, that's there. And so... Is this really going to happen? Well, the simple answer is no if the computer systems are upgraded in time. But, there's always a but, unfortunately, and that's that nowadays we're talking about not just software, which was the major issue in year 2000, but all the modern processors and systems today are 64-bit But the computers that have the potential to cause the biggest issues are those embedded systems that can't be upgraded in transportation systems, long living devices, stability control systems in cars, isolated computer systems, embedded systems, control systems that are not as visible to us. And that's the issue with technical debt or technical burden. It's not that visible. And this is something we're going to have to recognize. Once again, there's only one pool of money um, that, we are, uh, you know, that we are looking at. So from a business perspective, we can look at these decisions in sort of a quadrant type of view. So when we do something in an organization that is visible to everyone and has a positive value, we call that a great feature that people are looking for. So it's a visible change that we make to our business that helps the business, helps our clients and the technology people have been enabled. a positive value visible thing. It's called a feature, or a new functionality or something like that. Now, something that is visible <laughs> that has a negative value, we call a bug. <laughs> An error, okay? It's visible. We see it. How come that website doesn't work anymore? How come my credit card was denied and there shouldn't be? How come this? How come that? Where's my package? I can't figure out what's going on. The website's broken. You can go on and on and all the things, um, you know, that that are out there. You get these strange messages from the technological bowels that say, uh, you know, warning Will Robinson, something's going to happen. We don't, you know, figure out what's going on. It's a visible thing that's there. And there's also invisible things. And an invisible negative thing is this concept of technical debt, technical burden. We don't see it, especially from a business perspective. They don't, they don't see it directly. They see the results of that, which is slower response to requests and slower responses to future activities they want to do. And underlying all of this is something that we really are obviously pushing for quite some time, decades, is the invisible positive value that we need, which is called architecture. And unfortunately, it is invisible to most people. If you're sitting at your home or you're sitting at your office listening to this broadcast, you don't see architecture. You see the results of architecture. Architecture is invisible. when something is good, you don't see architecture. When something is bad, you don't see architecture. But you see the results of good architecture by good design or good systems or good buildings or good whatever that's out there. And so this is the struggle that, when I say we we have uh, in these areas. And so what are the impacts on the business? What are the impacts on the business? And... I want to quote something from Carnegie Mellon, a very prestigious university here in the US. Uh, and within Carnegie Mellon, they have the Software Engineering Institute. And they use the term technical debt. And they call it a conceptualization of the trade off between short term benefits of rapid solution delivery and long term value. It's a trade off. And to use a colloquial phrase here for just a moment, another way to say it is you're robbing Peter, your business future performance in order to pay Paul, meet the demands of deadlines or delivering a project. That's as simple as I can put it. There is no another trite phrase, free lunch. Now we see this all the time. We see these trade-offs all the time. And I experienced it in my home just this past summer, uh, I waited three years too long to replace the roof. <laughs> I knew the roof was going bad. Uh, I kept looking at it. I got a quote three years ago, and I said, well, I can sort of uh, not worry about this. It doesn't seem to be an issue right now. Um, and two years ago, it doesn't seem to be an issue. One year ago, it doesn't seem to be an issue. This year, uh-oh. Man, it started to be an issue, and the reason it became an issue was because I saw some water marks inside the house. So not only did I have to replace the roof, at by the way, a thirty-seven percent increase in the cost of my quote from three years ago. Plus, I had to tear out some drywall, repair the drywall, repaint some areas that's there, reseal and recaulk. That was the debt that I had to pay that was out there that I knew about, but I deferred the maintenance. So you can keep patching a tire that has a hole in it. And as you're driving a mile or five miles or 10 miles, it blows out again and you put another patch on it and you put another patch on it. Well, what's the cost of that? Well, let's say that you are an hourly worker and you got to pull over the side of the road, repair the tire, change the tire or something like that. You lose an hour of, of wages. That's the thing that we're talking about here. There is a cost. Now the issue that sometimes we see in business, unfortunately, is we don't recognize we don't recognize those costs as being pushing the can down the road, uh, you know that's there. And so the impact that we see here is quite simply to reduce forward motion. It's not that motion isn't going to happen in the organization. In other words, new things aren't going to happen. But by definition, they're going to be slower. They have to be because there's all this, oh my gosh, things I have to do because the things weren't designed to be able to do that. It's just being, it's patch upon patch upon patch upon patch. Coming back to the tire analogy. Well, um, you know, that hole was repaired and now we got one right next door to it. So we got to have a bigger patch, <laughs> you know, that's out there. It becomes harder to patch. And just like my situation with my roof, okay, not only did I have to repair the roof, but now I had to repair the drywall and everything else that was going on. Cost and time because I deferred actions that were out there. Pay, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul, the type of thing that was out there. We also have, from a business perspective, because of all these patches going on, volatile performance, because we don't know what the unintended consequences of all these patches are, uh, you know, that are out there. We don't have a baseline for addressing and managing change. It's just an incremental cost that we keep adding to these things. Productivity is reduced. We know it's going to be reduced. We understand that. Why? What do you mean productivity is going to be reduced? The productivity of the programmers, the analysts, we may have to burden the business people to do things differently or the customers to do things a little bit differently. Not very desirable because of this debt issue that's out there. Now, we look at it from a standpoint of debt, and the issue, once again, is what? It's not as visible as financial debt. You get your credit card statement, and you, if you pay only twenty percent of the bill, you know what the consequences of that are. Next month, it's going to be X dollars plus x percent for carrying those dollars forward that you know that are out there. So the old adage goes, you get what you pay for. If it means taking advantage of a huge market opportunity that's out there, incurring this technical burden may be the optimal decision, but we need to make it with eyes wide open. But, always a but, problems arise when this amount of technical burden turns into snowballs, turns from, excuse me, snowballs, into (laughs) this mountain avalanche that occurs, which can drain resources that are out there both on the business and technical side. So too much of this technical burden can reduce the business and technical agility and still it's going to produce poor quality solutions because of all of these patches that are going on. It's going to put a strain on the business. It's going to put a strain on the technologists and it may even strain the patience of your clients, of the business people of whoever your constituents are, your stakeholders that are out there. It's not just a technical issue is the key thing and eventually reduce the company's overall productivity. And these things are real. You can see the physical analogies and you can see the financial realities and the impact of these decisions But when it comes to technological burden, technological debt, it is just harder to see. But it's a decision-making process. It's a decision-making process that's there. The problem is that we have to make it visible so that we can assure that as we move forward, we have a positive reaction for this. And with this, One of the other measures that we can start looking at is, I have to put this in quote a little bit, financial implications of this technical burden. We can actually do some prospective calculations as to what this is costing the business and the technologists as everyone moves forward. And that will be the subject of our third segment of our program today which is about the concepts of technical debt, technical burden, and what this is all about. So we're gonna take a quick break at this time, and we're gonna come back for our last segment and talk about some of the other implications of this technical burden, technical debt that's there. You're listening to myself, Sam Holzman. This is the 2020s Enterprise. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes.
0: Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, The Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work, and this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, A Methodology of Business Understanding, Technology Planning, and Change, by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holtzman, brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at e-a-c-o-e org. That's sam at e-a-c-o-e org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back to The 2020s Enterprise.
1: I'm Sam Holzman, and the topic of today's episode is the concepts of technical debt or the phrase that I actually like to use is the technical burden that's put on an organization because some of the shortcuts that we take that are really hard to see, they're not as visible uh, that's there. And so another way to look at this is through the eyes of dollars. And I think that's going to be one of the keys to get the business personnel and the technology personnel to recognize taking that hidden cost and making it more explicit for people to to actually see. And that incremental cost is the loss of is the excuse me, the loss of agility to an organization that results from prior decisions that were made to save time or money. And we have to look at what that was did it save a dollar $10 $50 $4000 and yes we got to get some metrics by the way when you get a credit card and you charge $30 you know exactly what the ramifications of not paying the $30 within the time window are it's x percent metrics well you know what we're going to have to do the same thing we have to do the same thing get some metrics there a bug is visible Hey, this thing doesn't work. The problem with technical debt, technical burden, is things seem to be working. Remember Chicken Little? The sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And that's what a lot of people think about when they hear this, especially from the technologist. Well, uh, you know, you told us 16 times that you can't add this functionality anymore, but but you were able to do it. Uh, yeah, but we put in 1,700 hours of overtime, compensated or not, don't know, don't, I'm not getting into that, and we added to the technical debt, we made things more complex, and oh, by the way, the last time you wanted a feature, it only took us 400 hours. Now it's 1,700 hours, and we're probably going to suggest the next one's going to be 2,300 hours. We don't know. There's no baseline you know, that's there. Financial debt is something that people understand. Technical debt has the same consequences, but they're the hidden costs. And those hidden costs can be resulting in lost functionality, lost sales, lost, lost customer satisfaction, and all these other things that are a little bit more difficult to measure. And of course, opportunity costs. If it takes us 2,300 hours or 1,700 hours to make a, a change that's there, that's a cost not only directly for labor and things like that, but also the opportunity cost, or it could be three years or something like that. Okay, so how do you address this? How do you address this? Well, just like financial debt, we got to start off and build a baseline. Now, financial debt, well, how much do I owe? Let's sit down. Uh, with a piece of paper, or if you're more sophisticated, a piece of software, it doesn't matter to me, and say, okay, what debt do I have financially? I've got a mortgage, I've got a car payment, uh, I have a student loans, um, I've got a roof to replace. <laughs> All, you can write them down. You can write them down. Now, now, think about that. How do you do this in financial debt? That's how you do it. The question is, the rhetorical question, Well, how do we do this in technology? Well, we can do the same thing. We can start measuring the number of modifications that we have made over the past n years and what the cost were those were and project out by looking historically, also known as hysterically sometimes, as to what we're seeing. Well, we've got to sit down and start doing this. You wouldn't run your financial house that way. And we've got to start running our technology house the same way. So we've got to figure out what technical burden we have. What is it? We've got to brainstorm with our stakeholders what the current issues are, what issues they have, and look at the alternatives you know, that are out there. And this is going to sound kind of funny. In order to get out of debt financially, you put a payment plan together. We're going to pay off this debt $20 a month or $500 a month or whatever it is. You know what we got to do in technology? We've got to put that same payment plan in place. We are going to allocate X dollars to getting this thing straightened out. And sometimes it may take an incremental cost that is steep, just like I faced with my roof. It didn't cost me $10,000 to replace the roof. It cost me $13,000 to replace the roof, and another about $8,000 to repair all the drywall and repaint and do all this other stuff that I uh, had to do, <laughs> you know, that was out there. Hey, or I could leave it. I could do the same patching. Uh, let's just put some duct tape up there. Why don't I to just paint this over? It should be okay. I'm, I'll use white duct tape on the ceilings and nobody will see all the water stains <laughs> that are out there. <laughs> it's the same patching. But those, of course, look visible. You can see that. But if I was getting mold in the attic and the insulation was getting messed up, I wouldn't have seen it for a specific period of time. Notice that same analogy. It's that hidden cost that seemed to be there. So we've got to put a payment plan together and recognize that everything has a useful life. Everything has a useful life. And at the time the useful life is coming to an end, we need to make a new decision. Do we keep maintaining it? Do we keep patching it? Do we keep maintaining it? Do we sunset it? Do we freeze it? And then we look for new things. So after we make a decision, after there's three patches in the tire, on the fourth patch, we're going to say, you know what? Done. We're going to have to buy a new one. And we can do that same thing with our technology, bringing to light things that are easier to understand um, that's there. Now, what if you had no idea? How much personal debt you had? What would you do? Be pretty uncomfortable. You have no idea. Well, let's rhetorically ask the question. What if you don't know how much technical debt you have and what that burden is? And all you see is your technical people being more and more frustrated, not because they don't want to meet the demands of the business, but because they can't meet the demands of the business in the time required. Because of all of this rework that has to be done. It's almost like pleading. But once again, because it is hidden, it's hard for people to see what's out there. And I believe that people always want to do good. So they work their patooties off or other things they have to try to address these things that are out there. But the burden gets harder and harder and harder. And so it's quite simple to see this through the eyes of non-technology. Debt in its simplest form is borrowing today with the intent and promise to repay in the future. So if we keep patching these things, we say, yep, we will fix it later. And in order for us to fix it, we should say, okay, that means that I have to put X dollars away to fix it later rather than. We'll fix it later and worry about it later. No. Deferred maintenance doesn't mean not maintenance. (laughs) Deferred replacement doesn't mean not replacement. And we see this, by the way, in the infrastructures uh, that we have, you know, going on today. We live in uh, southeastern Michigan. And a lot of you have heard about the issues of the water crisis in one of our cities here, Flint, Michigan. Because of the lead pipe issues and some of the water diversion that was occurring for whatever reason, I'm not here to become political about this. Well, I don't know how much the newspapers have been picking up what's going on in southeastern Michigan. We now have three more cities that have been measuring lead content in the water supply, and they've got this same problem, not as severe, thank goodness. People are now getting filters for their water in their homes. Well, that's the debt that's there. It's a crisis now, and it's visible because it is not hidden. But the technology underlying that was something that we knew about. We knew that lead leaching was going to occur, and we just kept deferring it and deferring it until it became a crisis. The issue with technical debt is that through the sometimes extraordinary efforts of the technologists, they were able to keep these things going. And one of the reasons, of course, is that the whole technology environment isn't really very old. It's about 40 years old, plus or minus a few days. Versus, of course, some of the infrastructure in some of our cities that are 100 years old. So we're able to patch these things. If you go back, you know, for example... In the city, you know, in in Flint, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, we were able to patch it. (laughs) Now, can't do it anymore. Same thing with our technology that's out there. So you can go into debt and borrow if it leads to a better tomorrow, essentially, that's there. For example, you know, mortgage a house, borrow for college. And you eventually see that there's a payment plan that goes on. The issue is that we're, some of the issue is that we're borrowing today that will lead to a worsening of tomorrow, you know, that's out there. So I'd love to go out to an expensive dinner every night and put it on my credit card, but eventually it's going to get to me, not only in my waistline, but in my bills that come in at at the end of that period of time. So in its simplest term, it's the incremental cost and loss of agility to your company, your organization that we have to look at as a result of prior decisions that were made to save time or money when implementing solutions. This is not a blame game here, but we have to recognize there was hopefully a conscious decision. Now, maybe it wasn't expressed well enough for people to recognize what was going on. But it was a conscious decision to push the can down the road. And there could be a lot of reasons for this. And we have to recognize there could be a lot of reasons for this. But time to market, inefficiencies are going to catch up with us. And this is what a lot of organizations are facing right now that's there. And some of our software vendors are warning us about these things. They're saying that, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to maintain this anymore. And they give us a lot of notice. They say, hey, the sky isn't falling. It's fallen. And two years from now, we're done with that particular application. And this is what we have to drive home if you're using commercial software and the vendor is saying to you, by the way, we are gonna discontinue support. Oh, by the way, we'll be more than happy to support this application for another year or so at 10X what it cost you last year. That should be an indication of the business that this thing is no longer viable and it's coming to its end of life you know, decision you know, that's, you know that's there. And eventually, the functionality that we so like will be replaced by newer functionality that we can't take advantage of because we're sitting with unsupported solutions that are out there. And by the way, that's true whether it's internal or external. So what we're suggesting here is this technical debt burden, technical burden that's out there needs to be recognized and looked at the same way, financial debt is looked at there is dollar equations that we have to think about there's headcount costs more personnel needed additional developer time to bring functionality there there's overhead costs for software and hardware and remedies to you know fix these things there's probably lost revenue opportunities because of delays of going on there there's working capital diversion, dollars that are diverted from high-value activities and put into, I'll use the phrase, lesser activities just because there's only so much money in the till. There are more soft values. We lose the ability to do some market intelligence because we don't have some of the new things that are out there and the new structures that we can use. We're going to lose productivity. The more patches, the more time it takes to patch, productivity by definition is going to be lost. And we're diverting people's times from things that are more strategic to things that are more tactical that are out there. Financial debt is easy to see because there's profit and loss reports. Technical debt, technical burden, you can't see it. Technical debt, we don't see rules of how to incur new debt. Financial debt, we know it. (laughs) There's organizations that evaluate your ability to pay back the loans. Wouldn't that be nice to see it on the technical side? Can this organization do that? Technical debt isn't formally monitored. Financial debt, of course, is by lots of folks. So we hope we've given you an understanding that this isn't something new, but is growing in importance, the concept of technical burden in your organization. I hope you see how we can bring some insight into this to our organizations to lesser that burden. Thank you for listening. I'm Sam Holzman. I can be reached at sam at eacoe.org, sam at eacoe.org. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening.